Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Here we go. So, we're going to talk about an idea um, that I, I hinted towards last week. I did have one person come up to me after service and said, you were going to say this phrase. What was the phrase? Well, we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, but hopefully over the last eight weeks in our Beatitudes, which I said this at the end of last week, the studying the Beatitudes and the things that it's asking of us aren't things that we just acknowledge and do nothing with. It's something that we acknowledge and do something with, and really, it should be the groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. This idea of living humble, broken, surrendered, dependent, merciful, authentic, and peacemaker lives. Because at the end of those, at the end of what that is doing in us, it's going to make us better people, period. It is going to help us walk into this blessed life. And remember, the blessed life is not filled with money and possessions and things that will be in a junkyard one day. It is being invited into the presence of God. So the question today is, with all those things, are you attempting to live it? Because hearing one thing and doing nothing with it is not going to do anything for you. It isn't. Coming here on Sunday morning and going, man, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yes, I should do that. Yes, I should do that. Won't get you anywhere. But taking what you hear on Sunday and saying, hey, God, I want that, which is what we're going to talk about today in Hebrews 3, is going to help cultivate our relationship with God. So I did mention the phrase last week that you're going to be hearing about a lot here at Reach. Uh, and the phrase is, Jesus is greater. Honestly, I don't know why in the last three weeks this phrase has been beating around in my head and I can't get rid of it. And I think I'm not trying to oversimplify things. But if you would make Jesus greater than all the other things in your life, your life would be better. Period. And I think everything that you're coming against, the reality that Jesus is greater than it will change what you're going through. Because as you're going against something, as something comes up and and it's overwhelming, literally it's been my little phrase that I'm saying over and over again. When worry, fear and other things are coming into my brain, I'm just telling myself over and over again uh, until I believe it, that Jesus is greater. So whatever you're up against... Jesus is greater. Today's look into um, chapter 3 of Hebrews will tackle this very idea. That's literally uh, what this, well, literally what Hebrews talks about pretty much the whole book, but specifically in um, chapter 3, it's going to talk about Jesus being greater than Moses. And so what I'd like to do before we get into the word is pray. Father, we are a people that will stay right where we are. We are a people that can be hard-hearted and stiff-necked. And Lord, I pray against those things this morning as we hear your word, as we hear the call to trust and believe, as we hear and see the history of what it looks like to not and to do. Lord, would you humble us to the reality that we need you? 
Lord, we need you to transform our lives, not just to make us happy, not just to make things easier, but we need you to transform us. And so, Lord, will you do it today in your word as it's read and discussed? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Hebrews, the author is um, really unclear. They don't know for sure. A lot of people think it's Paul, but they don't know the specific author. But the audience for sure, and this is why it's called Hebrews, uh, is to the Hebrews. It's, It's written to the Jewish people. So the understanding and basically all of what Hebrews is, is it's spoken to people who are very familiar with the Hebrew life. Uh, they're, they're, he's speaking to people that either have been always or have been brought into a Jewish understanding of who God is. And so all of Hebrews is trying to elevate Jesus to their mind. Where they have missed Jesus, he's trying to say, Jesus is greater. And so we're going to do all of chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers... You who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus. He's writing to people that know the Father, but miss the Son. And he, he's telling them, consider Jesus, who is faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus had been counted worthy of more honor or or more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has honor than the house itself. Because Moses was doing what he was commanded to do. Jesus is not doing necessarily what he was commanded to do. He is obeying the Father, but he is coming from not just a servant, he's coming from a son. Verse 4, it says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were being spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's household as a son. And we are his household if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. See, Jesus is greater than Moses, and this is why this has to be. And and what you're going to hear in this dialogue, you're going to see the consequences of people, God's people, not being obedient to the voice of Moses, to the things that God had commanded Moses to do. And the whole point of this chapter, not to give you the end of the story, but the whole point of this chapter is for you to understand the consequences. There was consequences for not listening to Moses. And if we didn't listen to Moses... And there were consequences. Imagine the consequences if we don't listen to Jesus, who is greater than Moses. Because Jesus is greater. Verse 7. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. Now, he's getting ready to quote uh, almost all of Psalms 95. And what he's saying here in Hebrews, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, he's, he's letting you know that these aren't just the words of people. These aren't just the word of the writer of Psalms 95. This is the word of God through the Holy Spirit. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness. This is a phrase that you'll hear me repeat in just a little bit. Today is the only opportunity 
that you have to change. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow your life could end today. And you definitely cannot change yesterday. As much as I loved the idea of the DeLorean going 88 miles an hour and fixing all our problems, it's not going to happen. At least I haven't seen it. So let's just bank on it not happening. So today is the only opportunity that we have to do anything. And this is why I try my best during these few minutes that I have on Sunday morning to compel you to do something with your now. Because thinking about like, well, I'll do it later. I mean, how, how's that working out for all the other things that we say we're, we'll do later? Like our new diet plan, I'll do it later. Our new workout regimen, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll clean up the backyard, I'll do it later. I'll pressure wash the house, I'll do it later. After the third or fourth letter that you get from the HOA. It's all these things that we'll do and put off. And I, I just want to tell you that if Jesus is greater, what he's asking us to do is the most important thing that we can do. And he's saying here, let's learn our lesson. And this is why the wisdom of having people that have gone through things and sitting and listening to that wisdom, because he's going to compare what they went through. He's saying, let's look at what happened to them and not be like them. We, 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 we've, our life is filled with dumb mistakes where we've had people say, don't do that. And you're like, I'm smarter. As a child, as a teenager, how many times did we in general, think our parents were dumb. And we're like, uh-uh, I'm not going to get called at this, I'm not going to this, or this isn't going to happen to me. And how many times in our history have we seen their wisdom go, man, I wish I'd... I mean, we don't do that. Like, not many times of, you know, my children or even me. I think later on, after I got saved, there was lots of things that I repented and apologized um, to mom, which she is here today, so she can justify to that. Um, but there's, there's wisdom that we're like, nah. And, and what's, what Hebrews is saying right now is the wisdom, you better pay attention to it. Because the, the suffering of other people was put there so we could learn from it. That's what's happening here. The suffering that you've gone through in your life was given to you partially so that you could learn from it and not stay in that same cycle of suffering. Verse 9, it says, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Don't fool yourself, because this, this has been me in past. I remember seasons of my life where I was like, if I, would have just seen, if I could just see the miraculous, if I could just see God part the sea, if I could just see God fire from heaven, if I could just see God, then I would. And I'm just going to tell you that's a lie. Because all of these people... Where judgment came, they saw the mighty hand of God. I don't think there's been any other, even the miracle, miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament, there was nothing like the people of Israel when they saw when they were freed from Egypt. Nothing. God spoke it. God did it. They watched it. And even after that, they rebelled against God. Even after seeing his miraculous hand. Because I mean, in our brain, we're like, if we saw the, the Red Sea, however it was done, parted like dry land. And millions of people walked through. I don't know if you've ever stepped into a lake or creek or whatever that has a muddy bottom. 
As on dry land, you're talking about millions of people that crossed through what was wet in the I mean, because, you know, I don't know if it was like Prince of Egypt, but like, man, Prince of Egypt, like, it was great seeing the whale, like, through the thing, which I don't know if there's a whale there, but seeing the fish and all these other things as you go through. And those same people saw the miraculous, but didn't trust God the moment. See, people haven't changed. Our story hasn't changed. The reason why we look at the uh, at texts that were written pre-Jesus and post-Jesus is because the story hasn't changed. The people hasn't changed. Now, the, the way it happens, you know, the, the, we're not getting oppressed by Egypt. That, like that scenario is not going to happen again. But the, the issues that got them there are still our same issues. See, God gave a pillar of fire by night to shield them from the desert cold, he, a cloud by day to protect them from the sun's burning rays, manna to satisfy their hunger, water out of rocks to quench their thirst, clothes and shoes that did not wear out. Every day they saw God's provision. And the moment they didn't have what they wanted, they rebelled. Whether it's creating a golden calf, Jesus, Moses hadn't been back for 40 days. What are we going to do, Aaron? And I'm just, I don't even, I know I've talked about this, but like, Aaron's like, okay. Be like, yeah, yeah, give me your gold. Let's take your nose rings out and your earrings and bracelets and let's make this golden calf. And and we're going to forget what we just saw and we're going to trust this object, which not prophetically, but some of you in this room are living that same life. You've seen the, pro, the things of God, you've seen his miraculous hand, but you're trusting in a thing and not a person. Your life security is being banked on something that can be gone away. This golden calf. I mean, there was, there was rebellion. I mean, God opened. I'm telling you, after the first rebellion, why didn't they learn? I mean, God sent snakes that bit them and the whole, you know, like bronze serpent. God opened up the ground and swallowed some of them. <laughs> and you think, you think, we think, because we think we're smarter than them, just like we thought when we were teenagers that we were smarter than our parents, that this isn't going to happen. But it happened to the people of God. Verse 10. It says, Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, There Always, they always go astray in their heart, which is the issue here. They have not known my ways. Our issue, 100%, is going to start with what's going on inside of you. See, the problem is, is some of us have learned how to look Christian, to look faithful outwardly, but we don't change our heart. We can close our mouth. Um, I, I forget the Proverbs, and I think um, Lincoln used it later. It says, you know, um, even a fool seems wise when he keeps his mouth closed. Some of us have learned the tricks of the trade to appear great and ignore that God is saying, I want what's in here. Because ultimately, like we see in this text, at, the, at, at our pressure point, what's in us will get out. That's what happened. They got comfy, cozy. They're walking around for 40 years. Could you imagine Walking around, this is not a long journey to get to the promised land. 
the 40 years because of their unbelief. They didn't get to enter into the rest, which I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 11, it says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Their unbelief robbed them of their rest. Your unbelief is robbing you of your rest. Your unbelief is giving you anxiety right now. Literally, all of our issues is because we've put something else in a spot that is reserved for God. Period. And I know, I, I think I said this last week with the, the therapy. Here's therapy session number two. If we can fix that, which is the primary purpose of what church is, is to expose things that are in here that we're hidden and we're ignoring so that we can do something about them so that we can be changed. But if you can fix what's going on in here, if you can literally open your heart and say, God, I want you to shape this. Because the worst thing that I can do, and I did this for a while as youth minister, because I want kids and parents want kids to behave. So I, I tried to get kids through behavior modification to do the right thing. And let me just tell you, it didn't work. It didn't work for you. It doesn't work for them. And the only transformation that we have available is our heart being exposed to the source. And Jesus becoming what he was intended to be, our Lord and Savior. Verse 12, it says, take care, brothers, lest there be any um, of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. An evil heart of unbelief is at the bottom of all our sinful departures from God. Listen to this in, in verse, oh, no, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Verse 13, it says, and here, here's part of the remedy, and this is partly why I said what I said today in our child dedication. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is why we want you to be in a community group. This is why you, we want you to cultivate relationships with other believers that isn't just friendship, that is Growth that is like, hey, I, I want this because the truth is that our hearts long for sin. They just do. Like we see the history. We see our own history and our hearts long for this. And we need other people in our lives that know us enough to say, how you doing here? How you doing there? Listen to this in First Thessalonians 5, 9. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to abstain Obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live for him. There, verse 11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And let me, let me confess something here. I'm a sarcastic, cynical person. Was, you know, had some um, issues in middle school about my self-worth and how I viewed myself, so became kind of a class clown. So I'm, I'm sarcastic. And, and sarcasm is very dangerous in the Christian life. 
Sarcasm literally means to eat the flesh. And so we're, we're, we're in, 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 and I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, let's not have fun and let's not whatever, but we have to be very careful that we're building up and not just breaking down because we're a people that see flaws. And then we, instead of acknowledging the flaw in someone else, like, hey, you need to work on this, we make fun of something around it. We, we do it. Like some little thing, dumb thing that someone did, we'll, we'll tease them about it. And what's that doing for us? Nothing. Encourage. I literally, as a youth pastor, we had, I had groups of kids that um, they could call each other out and had to do, my, the boys that were in my group did 10 push-ups. If someone was, you know, being, not living out this first, then they, uh, another one in our little group caught the other, would be like, right now, 10 push-ups. Whether they are at school, whether they're in class, whether they're at church. There's a lot of push-ups. I got a stronger youth group. <laughs> stronger youth group right there but that is it that we want to build others up and i'm not saying let's not have fun but we got to be very careful that that didn't become all we do like when was the last time that we actually encouraged somebody that we saw something in them even the potential of it and spoke into it Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in the heart of God. We need each other. I'm telling you, I need people in my life. I'm a part of so many little groups of people, um, little accountability stuff, little encourager groups that, like, it's, I need it. And if you don't have any of that, you're in danger. And I, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying today you're going to find your new best friend in here. But like you have to step into something because this is where life happens with other people. Verse 14. It says, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Philippians uh, 1.6. It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Perseverance is the best evidence and security of our faith. The continuation, and you see this here. Verse 15 says, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today is the only opportunity. Some of us, our hearts are so hard that we don't even know how to soften them. We don't even know how to change them. And this is my prayer last night for today. This is my prayer during worship today is I understand that my words, my imploring you isn't going to change you. And almost every Sunday during worship, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do something. Because if the Holy Spirit doesn't do something, then it's of no value. It's, it's a like a warm feeling that leaves you when you go outside. I don't want warm feelings. I, I don't want you to be happy momentarily. I want you to be connected to a God that gives you joy and peace that lasts. So what is God speaking to your heart today? Where have you so hardened yourself that Jesus isn't greater? What in your life right now? And if you want to do a favor for me, one thing, if you left here and had one thing that you're like, hey, Jesus, 
isn't the greatest in this place. Because I'm telling you, if you took an assessment in your life and realized all the things that Jesus wants to replace or renew or fix in you, it would be overwhelming. But just fix one thing and then fix another thing. And, and that's all this journey. Like we, we get justified in Jesus Christ on the day that we say yes to him and turn our life over to him. But the rest of our life, we're being sanctified. We're being made like him from day to day. And if that's not happening, there's an issue going on. So we have to deal with our rebellion now. Verse 16. It says, For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? It was the ones that saw the miraculous hand of God saving them from their oppression. And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter the rest, but to those who were disobedient? Verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from where God wants you to be. And you may think, well, I believe in Jesus. No, no, no. There's so many things in our life that, that it, it, to believe that there was a person named Jesus that did these amazing things isn't enough. Surrendering to him is what he's called us to not just identify, like there's people in here that know lots of information about lots of things, but knowing information about something doesn't make you connected to it. So what does it mean for you if you aren't willing to make Jesus greater? And I'm talking to believers, church members, people that have been following Jesus for years and decades, what does it mean to not make, choose willingly to not make Jesus greater? There are consequences to our life. And I, I believe, just like I said in that verse, that what God started in you, he will bring to completion. But my question is, has he started something in you or have you adopted an ideology? Have you adopted information that you now call you, but you've missed the person of Jesus? Because Jesus wants to transform us. He wants us to be submitted and surrendered to him so that our life will be so much more than just us. And I don't say these things to pressure. Like if, if, you're, if this is your first Sunday, um, I mean, I'm not sorry, um, but like I'm not here to produce a response in you to do something. But I want to stir the pot in you so that God continues to work in you. The next Sunday, we have three, actually a whole family. So um, Tara that was leading on our keyboards today, uh, Faith, their little girl, uh, and her husband, Zach, are getting baptized next Sunday. And baptism is just an outward declaration of what God's doing or is doing in you. And so my call to you this morning is where are you not allowing Jesus to be greater? Because if you're acknowledging there's a place, then the only call that you have is to do something with it. 
the worst is acknowledging. And if you keep reading in Hebrews, just, it, it just I'm not even going to tell you where it's at. Just read a couple chapters after we're at right now. And it, it gets pretty serious for those who called and forgot. Anyway, that's another day. Read. <clears throat> so what are you going to do today to make? So if there is a place in your life that Jesus isn't greater, what are you willing to do today to make him greater here? What? What place do you need to invite Jesus into? What area of your life do you need some people involved in your life? Seeing being humble, broken, surrendered, and dependent is a great place to start. I'm going to invite our worship team up. For my last question, so acknowledging places that you aren't allowing Jesus to be greater, what are you going to do to make him greater? And my last question is, and this may be a hard one, this may not be something you can answer today, but something I would encourage you to work towards. Who are you going to invite into that work? Because you, you, we need other believers to stand with us and beside us as we push forward. Who are you going to invite into that? And maybe you already have some of that relationship. And I I encourage you, if that's already going, to push forward. Don't let that just be a superficial relationship. Being honest and transparent with people and say, I want want more. Because that more is where the blessing comes from. That more of Jesus, where your issues are, I truly believe, is you've placed something else over him. And when that happens, we're at tension and we're at tension. We're living at this place in tension. And I want that to be corrected. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us. We're going to worship and our worship in this last song is a great opportunity um, for you to confess, to repent, to cry out to God, to beg for his assistance. We're going to have, at the end of worship, we're going to have prayer in the back corner. If you need somebody to pray with you, I encourage you, don't leave this room. If you feel a tension that you don't know what to do with, don't leave this room without talking to people. And if there's too many people over there, you can find me, you can find Alan, you can find any of our elders, Terry, um, Don, Chris, Greg, find us. Find somebody that you know and trust and just say, hey, I'm, I've got a burden that I don't know what to do with. And let's work together to make Jesus greater. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a good God. And right now, Jesus is sitting throned in heaven, interceding for his children. Lord, you want the best for us. And Lord, I I pray that as we think about things in areas of our life that Jesus isn't greater, that we're struggling in this area, Lord, I pray that we would just be honest and transparent first and foremost to you, that we would go, look, this is where I'm weak. This is where I need help. Ask you for that help, Lord. I pray we would be willing to take action steps to change whatever that is, to you being greater than it. Lord, I pray over the fear and anxiety that people are experiencing in this room. Lord, I pray that they would be able to say that you're greater than those things. Not as some 
pity little thing that we can just say and feel better about, but as a truth and a reality that you are greater, stronger. That he that dwells in us is greater than he that is in the world. Lord, I pray that that would be our reality. And so, Lord, I just pray over those things. Lord, I pray over those in this room right now that are overwhelmed with life and no one knows about it. They're at the end of their rope and no one knows about it. Lord, I pray that today they would start by being honest and real with you. And Lord, I pray that that journey would lead them to others that would help strengthen and encourage. Lord, I pray for the mentoring that's going on. I pray for the community groups that are going on. I pray for future connections and uh, relationships in this church that are going to fuel our relationship with you as we spur one another along. And so, Lord, let us be honest. I pray that during this last song, song that we can, we can just be transparent with you. We can just be real with you. And Lord, I thank you in advance for the work that you have done, the work you are doing, and the work you will do for those that are ready and willing. Lord, we trust you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.